supposed to go to university and I jumped on a plane and went to Australia instead. With a job or without a job? Without a job. It comes from a place of wanting to be part of a memorable moment in history. You know? I get it. Like the Sydney Olympics will never happen again. It set fire to the, to the bedroom. And I just remember waking up and the bedroom was on fire. Like the entire bedroom was on fire. A very large family, but a very disruptive upbringing where my grandmother died at a mm. very early age. And she, she died because my granddad killed her. We lost everything pretty much overnight. And then you go into this kind of world of what do I do? <laughs> like everything I believed in had disappeared overnight. This is going to be weird now, so just bear with me a second. It was at the time we were doing the conversation with Lighthouse, and we were talking about men's health and suicide, and that is the only time in my life ever that I've actually contemplated it. Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are The Loaded. So I want to start the episode, but I'm finding it really <laughs> difficult, because today in the studio we have producer Ryan wearing, what are these things called again? I don't, like, what is that? It's like a, a VR headset. It looks like he's in the metaverse, apparently. Yeah, but I want, I'm really curious to know what world he's in because of the way he's moving with that <laughs> he, thing on. He, he was playing like table tennis or something. Is that what it was? Okay, because I saw some fist, air, air fist pumping. I think he won a game. He mustered, he mustered on. Uh, well, I digress as usual. Dan, Dan, Dan. How are you, I'm Lily? I'm good, my love. How are you? I'm all right, I'm all right. I'm ex- um, actually... I think this is going to be one of my favourite episodes. Really? Why is that, Lily? Because we're talking with you today. What do you mean you talk with me every week? I know, but today we talk about you. Oh, today I get to dig a little. Do you actually? And it's a no hold. Was it no? No, no bars bars held. Conversation. I don't know. We'll 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 figure it out. Um, so. As as I was sitting here, I I sort of think back about the first time I saw you. Um, I'd heard about you. Okay. Um, Dan this, Dan this, Dan that, Dan whatever. And this was back in the time where you were doing the Alice in Wonderland. Oh, down at the Act a long time ago. Down at the Act. So, you know, I'd heard about you then. And then I think uh, we went, um, I was uh, stand-up paddleboarding with, I think it was with our friend Tash. Yeah, we did. I forgot about that. Was that the day when I thought I was going to die with a shark? No, I think that's the day that somehow you were stand up paddle boarding w- with your head in your phone. <laughs> Probably. Uh, story of my life. Then you uh, sat at breakfast with your head in the phone. Story of my life. And then you walked to the bathroom with the head in the phone. <laughs> of course. Are we are we are we feeling a <laughs> pattern here? Oh my god, I'm literally living my phone. So yeah, so was that uh, the first time we met. That properly. was the first time well we really? did a meet do you think that's meeting properly? I can't remember. I think you said about two words to me that day. <laughs> Possibly, I had my head on. The first time really was when we went to Africa together. Yeah. We had a great time. Oh my God, there's something. Oh, oh, we mean, should talk you, about that. You mean, you mean the time where uh, you ran off and left us all for dead as we were going to be attacked by the silverback because you decided to look at it in the eye when we got told, do not make eye contact. That is true. We nearly got squashed by a, mm. a, a pack of silverback gorillas. Mm. But I, I go back to the first time I met okay. you and it was, uh, I remember sort of looking at you going... What an asshole. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm meeting this guy for the first time. We're going stand-up paddleboarding, and he's just got his head in the phone. I mean, we weren't on a date or anything, so... I know, but still, it was just the three of us. And you yeah. were just... I'm always like... Well, I was so, always like that. But after thinking that, I'm like, you know what? Shit, 
guy's a fucking hard worker, you know, because because uh, Tash was like, you know, he's working. I'm like, what is he? Is he like talking to a bunch of uh, dates and what, what's going on? Swiping we're not left. we're not swiping left or right. We're not interesting enough, you know. What's going on? Um, and uh, I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. This guy actually uh, works really hard. Yeah, maybe a little bit too hard sometimes. Yeah. Where did that come from? Oh, oh wow, you aim with a killer question oh, straight away. No, straight in. You know, that's, that's really interesting that you say that because one of the, the key things which people tell me on a all too often basis mm. is, you know, they they throw out the term workaholic. Mm. Um I think realistically, where does that come from? God, I guess like from childhood, I assume. I come from a family, um, a great family. Um, you know, we're working class, North th Manchester. Th thank you, thank you to mum and dad for bringing you into the world. Uh, My life I, has not, not been not, the same since. I'm not too sure they would agree with you sometimes, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but no, yeah, I come from a very humble working class background. Um, and what did that look like? Um, I think it was like you know, it's like typical from the area that I was with. Like you know, I'm from from Rochdale, North Manchester, living you know, two bedroom terrace house and. Mm. You know, mum and dad juggled multiple different jobs. Um, got divorced at the age of eight, or they got divorced, not wow. me. Um, so you know, there was the whole separation period. Um, you know, the, you, you split your life living between two different houses, essentially. Um, you know, they maintained a relationship and a friendship, and you know, continue to be great parents. Um, but I think from a very early age, and I think this also goes back to, I guess, also the history of of my family, which I've never really ever talked about, but it's it's always been instilled with us that we had to work hard, that we we had to do something to to make ourselves better. Mm. And you know, I look at my mum and dad, and they personify that through through their childhood and through what happened to them. Um, like my mum's Northern Irish, and she got kicked out of Ireland essentially. So she how like, why? What? So basically, she she's from Belfast. We're from a, an Irish Catholic family. And, um, you know, back in the day, she grew up in the Troubles. I think she was, like, 15 years old. And these are stories which I've only, like, heard kind of, like, you know, sporadically. We never really talk about it much. But essentially, you know, back in the day, it was when people would break into your house and threaten to set fire to your house and would threaten to kill you. Um, and that actually really happened. So, like, the family were told that they had to leave. Um, so, essentially, you know, overnight, somebody broke in and was like, if you don't go soon, then, you know, something bad will happen to you. And this was on the back of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. And, you know, the stories my mum tells me about, you know, friends being killed and, you know, snipers attacked them over when they were playing hockey. There was Jesus. one story she told me is that there was a police station near the hockey field and they had to die for cover because, you know, the IRA were firing, you know, rifles and, you know, machine guns at, at the police station. So, you know, it's stuff like that. Something so people forget all about this, massively, don't they? Massively, massively. And, like, you know, she was 15 years old at the time and... Um, she came over with my family, which was a, a large Catholic family. My granddad, my grandma, and, you know, six other brothers and sisters. And they, they settled and located, moved everything to Rochdale. And, you know, within a very short period of time, my granddad actually died. He, oh died, wow. of a, he died of a heart attack. So, like, my gran had to, to bring up a family of six people, you know, pretty much single-handedly, you know, with nothing. Um, you know, they, they left everything behind. They left family and friends and everything. And, you know, they, they started this whole new life because they were forced out of Ireland, which was, which was quite challenging. And then from my dad's side, um, he was actually a merchant seaman. No way. So he was, yeah, yeah. I think you met my dad. No. I've, every time your family's been here, yeah. I've missed out. You have indeed. Like, my dad's awesome. Like, and I want to get drunk with your dad. You should. He's a good drunk. He's a good drunk. He's a good chat. Um, but I think, like, and this is where me and him are very similar in many ways. 
he's had this very like adventurous life. Like he was a merchant seaman from, I think the, the, he was like 19 at the time, I think. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, up until probably around about like, I think the age of 30 when I was born or like the, the first few years of my life. And um, he traveled the world. Wow. Literally as a chef on, on merchant ships all over the place. And he tells stories of being like, you know, attacked by pirates and like literally pirates and also being arrested in different, different countries. But again, you know, there was, you know, I want to, turbulence, I guess, is probably the right word to, to utilize, uh, you know, for his circumstances. And again, a very large family, but a very disruptive upbringing where my grandmother died mm. at a very early age. Um, and she she died because my granddad killed her, essentially. Yeah. Um, sorry. You're like, what? Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Are you uh, okay to share this story? Yeah, like I think, in, in, you know, I think it's like when we, you know, you talk about like struggles and stuff like that. And my dad did so much to, to to help put that family together. And, you know, people were um, separated for a long time and, you know, went to foster care and all the rest of it. And, you know, it's it's, it's such a, a challenging Ho- period hold of time. On. So yeah. your granddad? Yes. He was convicted for the manslaughter of my grandmother. your grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, and my dad was. I think my dad and was left like, behind six kids. I, I, I can't know. Yeah, six, seven. I think at the time. Um, but you know, my dad was nineteen at the time, and he was mer- working in the merchant navy and came back. And you know, he's the oldest, the eldest of the family. So, so having to, I guess, to deal with that and to, to you know, to to make sense of all of that is quite challenging. How did he make sense of all? I that? don't know. Like we've never talked about it. To be honest, it's like even now, like I'm, you know, it's, it's not something which I've openly shared to anybody. Um, but it, you know, to answer the question of like, you know, what what makes me who I am today, I think it's understanding the struggles that my family went through, my parents went through in particular. Um, you know, to can to I can I something. can I ask you? I just well, the level. You said this was going to be a deep one. Yeah, the level of emotion I'm seeing on your face yeah. right now. <laughs> can you share with me what's going on right now? Because you said the the struggle that your mum and dad went through, and yeah. that's where it brought it. Yeah. What was um, that? Like, I think just because, like, obviously, you know, they, they both lost parents at a very young age and, you know, they essentially, you know, not, not my mum's side, but my dad's side, he had to fend for himself and, you know, look after a family that got split up literally across the entire country. You know, brothers and sisters were, were placed in foster care or lived with aunts and uncles and stuff like that. But also as well, you know, for something so tragic to happen, like, it's a, it's a hugely significant effect. Um, on a person and uh, on people so yeah so I, I we, we've never openly talked about it and this and is you, you hurt know, for your dad yeah of course but also as well like I kind of you know there's like a, a, a respect and admiration for the for the the hard work that he is like you know um he's I remember as a kid growing up like he had like three jobs literally he was like a, he ran a pub he was a taxi driver um after the merchant navy obviously a taxi driver and he had a, an upholstery carpet cleaning business so it sort of makes you think that if my dad's gone through all of that and look where he's come i need to make something of myself yeah for sure and i think you know that that kind of like that adventurous side of of him being in the merchant navy as well you know those stories he tells and you know the places he traveled around the world so i'm guessing you know looking at it and having this conversation like subconsciously you know it's kind of you know, he he achieved great things. It's almost like that that mentality was instilled in me from an early age, mm. of you know going out there and adventure and going travel and see things, but also work really hard. Mm. You know, because they essentially came from nothing. Yeah. You know, and you're bloody proud of them, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Um, I'm so definitely getting <laughs> drunk with your dad. <laughs> no, you should do. But so I think that's it. you know, when people got you're a workaholic. I think it puts it into context of like, well, it's because we've had to. 
like I'm very fortunate now. My my family, my parents are in a position of I wouldn't say wealth, but you know they they're comfortable. I'm comfortable, you know. Of course, they're, they're at an age where they can retire, but um, you know, they had to work hard to get to that position, and we never got anything as kids when we were. Um, you know, we never got anything of... Oh, you never took anything for granted, yeah, right? Of yeah, you, you were know. taught the value. So then, you know, fast forward a little bit. Like, I remember my first job was when I was 13. I was oh. working in, um, in hospitality. And, um, you know, interesting, we were talking to yeah, know, well, previous guests about hospitality. Yeah. I was like, you know, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, but did you always want to be in hospitality or was it no, just sort of where you fell into? Like, you if like, you, as, as a kid, like, you talk about your dad and, you know, him being an adventurer and seeing yeah. anything. What did... At that time, what did you want to be when you grew up? I actually... Sure, it wasn't hospitality. You know, actually, the funny thing is I wanted to be a pilot. You wanted yeah, to be... Yeah, I, I, I wanted to be in the RAF. Like, I've, you know, some of my family, especially my dad's side, in fact, actually my mum's side, you know, they're from the military. I'm trying to think if I saw you um, as a pilot behind a plane, would I get on the plane? Oh, you'd never mm, see I'm I'd be, sure. I'd be <laughs> No, but like as a kid, I used to remember... This is actually going to be interesting as like how my career changed completely. Yeah. Like as a, as a, well, like, you were a fire. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I'm, I'm dying. There's like chapters we've done. We've done story, like two yeah. seasons now, and I'm still don't know the story. Yeah. But I just like telling everyone like, you were a fire breather. So okay, so what did I so want to be? So back to being a pilot. So yeah, so like, I think you know, and again, you know, families, parents always want the best for mm. the kids. So it was always a case of we want you to be a policeman, a doctor, a fireman. Actually, no, actually, hang on, I'm going to take this reeler back right now. Go I back. wanted to be a fireman. And the reason why is like, we were actually caught in a house fire from a very, very young age. I can't remember how old I was. I was probably about six years old. And um, I remember- Sorry, when you say we were um, caught in a house fire- Me and my sister, yeah. We actually got saved by my dad. Um, so yeah, so I remember we were in a house, it's actually still the house that my mum lives in now, the, the house I go back to uh, regularly. Um, so I remember, uh, Basically, they were, let me get the story right, they were redecorating the house, and back in the day, in the 80s, we had, like, storage heaters, mm. which were basically big, massive heaters that you'd have, and for whatever reason, I think whoever was decorating whatever, they moved the heater and placed it on top of the cable. So oh, over, over a period of time, the cable kind of, like, you know... Melted. Melted or moved or whatever. And I think, you know, fast forward, you know, days, hours, whatever, and it set fire to the, to the bedroom, and I just remember waking up and the bedroom was on fire. Like the entire bedroom was on fire, literally. And like, the two of you were, it was just the two of you in the house. So there's, there's an argument to what actually happened and none of us can really remember. But I think, I, I believe my sister left the bedroom earlier the night because she was sick. Okay. And she went to a separate bedroom. However, everyone seems to think that she was still in the room. And like in the confusion, like we're a little bit unsure. Wow. But if you listen to my, like, I remember, um, you know, slightly waking up, but I got woken up by my dad and he told me that um, <laughs> where we lived wasn't the particularly safest of areas. There's often lots of break-ins and burglaries. And um, he remembers, like, waking up to the sound of a broken window and he was like, shit, we're being robbed. You know, so he, he quickly gets dressed or whatever and, you know, he picks something up because he thinks there's, there's someone in the house and then all of a sudden he gets in the landing. The corridor is like, wow, the bedroom's on fire. So um, I just briefly remember him coming into the bedroom, taking us, and then we're headed downstairs. And we have like a big kind of like deep staircase in the house. And I remember looking up at the staircase, you could see this black smoke like bellowing down. And it was back in the days when you had to do like the old telephone. Oh so God. like nine, so like nine, nine. Come on, nine. come on. So I remember like we had to call the fire brigade and I think... 
you know, we, we talk about this quite a lot, actually, over, like, Christmas dinner, randomly. As you do. But um, I think my dad was literally wrapped in a bed sheet, and apparently it was the coldest night that year ever. Like, it was, like, minus whatever degrees, and he was um, throwing pebbles to the next-door neighbour's window because we needed somewhere to go. It was freezing, it was snowing outside, and apparently, like, you know, the, the neighbour opens the window and basically tells him to piss off, and it's like, no, no, the house is on fire, like, we need somewhere Dude. to go. So, yeah, so we went into there, um, and I remember that you know we made it to like the front page of the, the newspaper like the local like Russian observer and um I remember I didn't want to have a wash for a week because I was proud I went to go to school with like the soot and the dust all over me um and I remember it's like in my ears and my nose and everyone was laughing because it's like I wouldn't have a wash <laughs> like I'd be, I'd be adamant like I'm not gonna have a wash and ever since then, I was like I wanted to be a fireman that was the thing wow. like, it was like because I remember like you know the fireman at the house and it was a thing so yes, yeah, so that's they're what, heroes, that's, right? Yeah, of course. I wanted to be a hero. Of course, yeah. Um, and then I think that gradually turned into you know I wanted to join the military. I wanted to be a pilot um, or join the RAF regiment. You know, and it was that that's, that was the course of you know I, I sent the papers in. I went to the the open days. Like I did everything. Um, and it was probably when I was around about like seventeen, I think. I'd kind of just finished my A-levels and throughout kind of like the period from like 13 up until 17, 18, I was working in hospitalities, you know, running bars and working in restaurants and, you know, doing that. But like, you know, I worked from an early age and I remember working every Saturday or Sunday mm. doing the breakfast shift in a local hotel for £2.72 an hour. Like, it's slave labour. Like, but was, like, that, was that because you wanted to work or was yeah, that because yeah, your, your dad said, you know, you, you got to learn no, no, discipline? No, it, it wasn't even like from the family point of view, but I think, you know, like I've always wanted to be independent. You know, it is, that's a very strong character yeah. trait that I've got. And I think, you know, that is very much like my entire family are very I've, I've, I've watched you, Dad, and, I, and as much as you say it's because you want to be independent, uh, you I've watched you contribute back to your family all the time. Like you've right, got not as much my sister. She's an incredible contributor, to be honest. Like she does a lot. I think you underestimate yourself, my friend. Yeah. I've watched it quite quietly. Humble. You don't tell people. Uh, there's 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 a, there's, I a, should a, do more. there's a harder yeah. gold under there, my friend. Indeed. There's a harder gold. Oh, but then fast forward. Then I guess like you know I was I was dead set on this kind of journey that I was gonna you know. I was going to go to university and do European studies and after that join the military. Like, it was planned. Like, that was that was the agenda. I can't see you in the military. I don't know. I think I it must think have just been a about uniforms, but anyway. We're going to get to we'll that. that we're going to get to that. Um, so then I just remember, like, I had this... I remember... I think, uh, it, I, on, I, honestly, I reckon you would, you would have, like... <laughs> You would project so, manage the military and turn it into something it. else. So kind of like rewind slightly. And I remember watching the 92 Barcelona Olympics. I mm. remember watching that show on TV and I was like, wow, like it's just beautiful. Like, you know, from the costumes, the choreography, the pageantry of like the opening ceremony of an Olympics. So this was still wanting to do military. I still wanting to do military. And I see this like in, in 92. So like, I was kind of like 11 back then or whatever. Anyway, so like I had a thing for the Olympics. So I remember watching the opening ceremony of Barcelona and then at my favorite thing. And I got to a point, I got to an age where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm old enough now to go and go somewhere in Sydney, 2000, was mm. on the agenda, on, on the cards. So um, I booked tickets. I was in Byron Bay watching well, the yeah. Olympics. Yeah, I was yeah, in Byron yeah. Bay afterwards. There's no a story, there's, there's a story of a snake after. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so yes, uh, I, I literally, I, I was supposed to go to university and I jumped on a plane and went to Australia instead. And With a job or without a job? Without a job. Just... I had a visa, I had tickets to the Olympics, I went to Australia. And I remember I landed in Sydney two weeks out from the Olympics, I think it was like October, November time, because the, the Olympics were slightly later. Um, had the best time of my life. 
And that was like the first time I'd ever traveled on my own, been experienced with anything on my own. Like I was 18 years old and I was like, that's it. But did you do anything with the Olympics? Yeah, I went to watch the Olympics. I didn't do anything. I went to watch the Olympics. You went, went to watch it, okay. So, like, just... Because that, 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 be, that would be pretty awesome. Rock up two weeks before and manage to score some work oh, at the Olympics. it's happened before. If anyone can do it, it's you. But then, like, I remember, like, speaking to my family, like, okay, like, you know, like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm in Sydney. Like, uh, what? <laughs> like, you've got to go to university this week. I was like, mm, something I've got to tell you. So, needless to say, I was like, I'm taking a gap year. I don't want to do it. And, you know, those whole plans changed. But then I went to, I went to watch the Olympics. I was just mesmerized by a scale on. spectacle what event. What were you going to study at uni? European studies. European studies. Yeah. You, you, sorry, you did mention it before and I just glazed over. Yeah. What, was, what's European studies? European studies, it's, it's like, it, well, it's a mixture of politics and European language. Like, if anybody that knows me, I'm a bit of a political geek, like, in, in the down low, like, I'm a bit well, of well, a, I'm, a I'm Twitter I'm, warrior. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to follow... Your, it's, uh, a bit of me- it's a bit of a mess. So, mi- <laughs> military, uh-huh, European studies... Uh, Olympics. Yeah. Gap so this year. is it. So, well, so the, 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 the synapses are definitely not connected. <laughs> they're, they're not. No. I think this is just typical of kind of where I'm at. I'm a bit all over the place. Uh-huh. Often, but things happen in chapters. Okay. You know, and I think... I can't see the chapters uh, either, but, but okay. Like, I think the first chapter is like, you know, that, that formation years growing up and... You know, you you have a, a perception or idea of what you want to be or what you should be. Mm, and I think it's mm, often informed by our parents. 100%, yeah. Our parents like, you know, we want you to be a doctor. They yeah, want I you was, to have a I was proper supposed to be job. a lawyer. I'm going to say this, actually. They want you to have a proper job because we're yes. going to get that to that in a minute. Um, but anyway, so I, I get to Australia. I had tickets to the opening ceremony for the Olympics. I went to go and see the sporting events, whatever, and I went to the opening ceremony. And I remember vividly, I was sat in the seat next to Kathy Freeman. Kathy Freeman. When Kathy Freeman got stuck in the cauldron, sounds weird, I was in the seats next to it. Like, I remember, and it was like this whole moment. Kathy Freeman used to uh, train on the track at my school. Really? Yeah, we used to watch her. Okay, I'm going to note that for see, your we were, session. We were, we were meant to meet. So this like, there were like all synergies. these opportunities where we just sort of, you know, I was in Byron, then you went to Byron. I don't know how you sitting next to Kathy Freeman and me seeing her. Yeah, I think I just did a Dan. But like, I remember being sat in those seats. I remember watching the show and I was like, wow, I was like, this is incredible. Like, I never, you know, boy from Rochdale, you don't really go to the Olympics. Yeah. So, like, I remember watching it. It was incredible. There was the massive flip-flop that Kylie Minogue that was, was on, yeah, right? Yeah, And that's I think that was, was that the opening or the, the closing? That was a closing. Was it the closing? Like, the opening that had, like, all the Aboriginal performers, that's the cultural right. performers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's quite interesting, actually, because Paula, previous... Yep previous um, season. season talks about that show yeah and it's really interesting that's come full circle now that i'm very fortunate to be able to work with the incredible people mm. that actually did that show and i remember sitting in the audience and i was like there was something triggering me inside i was like that's what this i want to do it. like i actually enjoy that like i'm intrigued by that world um so i went backpacking around australia and i met a, a great bunch of people um you know most of them pikey circus type so hold people. on so you packed a bag to go to uh, to go out to Australia yeah. two weeks before the Olympics with the view that you were going to not come back for a year or you went there and well, then said, I'm not going back now? Well, I was like, I'm, I'm staying for as long as it takes. Okay. There was kind of like no plan. It was just, <laughs> there was a plan that I was not. Sometimes they're the best been. plans. So I went backpacking around Australia, your people, and it was the most incredible eye-opening formative journey i'm gonna say mm. you know being a, being you know independent and i'm sure it was very formative in uh byron in multiple ways i mean like byron i nearly died from from a snake uh-huh. like i nearly stood in a brown snake and it was like hissing and jumping at me i was like uh we don't get these in rochdale <laughs> literally i was like what the hell um and then apparently there's a shark attack the day after when we were surfing so anyway your place it's is fine. weird your place is weird it's it's, it's um, dangerous 
listen, if you survive Australia, you'll survive yeah. anywhere in the world. But like, you know, we, we got to meet so many people, you know, well, you know, or if people have been to Australia, it's like a circuit that like the backpackers mm. do. You know, they go yeah, there from is. And Sydney, lots of fruit picking. Coast, lots of fruit picking. You go all the way up to the Whitsundays, you go to the Cairns, then you come kind of like right through the middle, Ayers Rock, down to like... Did what? you climb Ayers Rock? Uh, I did not. I refused to. Is that because you were uh, respecting the land? Do you know what? Actually, yeah, I think yeah, it was. I, because did, I didn't respect a, the land. A lot. I mean, like, do I wish I climbed it? Yes, I would like to have climbed it. But I think, and stuff... The things that we do now, I'm very culturally aware. Mm. You know, everything I do, whether it's work or travel, like we you quite think about it. we think about the culture. There's a, there's a great deal more social awareness now, cultural Cultur- awareness. Yeah. I remember that. And like I was back just mes- then, it was a it was a school trip for me. Yeah, I was just mesmerized by the space, and we had a great time. You know that that journey. I, I think I encountered so much in life on that journey through. You know, <laughs> random stories like nearly getting hit, attacked by that snake. You know, the shark attack like the day before or after. You know, one random guy that we were kind of like sharing accommodation with randomly got arrested like the day after we left. Apparently it was like some sort of like sex there, pest and was stealing there was people's also, underwear. There, there was also a backpack murder. Oh yeah, there was also time, right? stuff like that. Um, you Did know, you hitch- hitchhike at all? Never hitchhike. I went around a Greyhound bus. Oh, the good old Greyhound. But the good thing about, not the good thing, I shouldn't say this because like people at petrol probably kill me but um i used to sit at the front because they used to hit the kangaroos during the night so the kangaroos would sleep on the bitumen and then once the bus comes at like 80 kilometers 100 kilometers an hour the kangaroos wake up with the lights and jump into the lights and you <laughs> sat up the front because you had front. a sick desire to watch kangaroos die no he wasn't watching them die but it was just like stuff would happen and i'd be like oh right okay it's interesting mm-hmm. anyway moving right <laughs> so yeah so just on that note like so whilst i was doing that like i met like a load of like circus people i guess you know, yeah, no, you're going to have to explain that because you don't just meet we, circus people well, travelling around Australia. You, do, you meet like poi performers and fire breathers and people on Maybe beaches. Maybe in Byron and, Bay. But it was, I think it was like between Byron Bay and the Whitsundays. Okay, that would make sense because Byron Bay, it, like at one point it was my favourite place in the world yeah. and you'd just go down to the beach and you would just see performers so i remember i was being on the beach and like you know we do poi and fire and again like it was there was Mm. all these kind of like stimulants that were like i'm interested in this Mm. like it intrigues me like Mm. there's something there's a story um anyway you know fast forward three months i was like i I came what i came for i've done what i need to do and i I went back to manchester i went back home um still working in the the world of hospitality and then a friend of mine she won a competition she was a dancer performer and she won a competition and she was like you know do you want to come to ayanapa with me at the time um and she was like you know i've won this all expenses paid trip come we'll have a great time we'll go partying and then when I was there like she was like she had a lot of confidence and she was like you know were like you just, a confident kid um no I was I bullied I was really badly bullied as a kid at school really yeah and like not looking at me right now but I wasn't a looker as a kid <laughs> like I had really bad teeth and I pointy mean, I, ears I, I, I definitely got better with age <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we've matured so like you know I had a pretty pretty rough no I wouldn't say rough but like it, it wasn't, wasn't pleasant pleasant you know, was it was it bad? No. Was it nice? No. Um, so you're so trying to really tell me that confident. you were a bit more of an introverted. I was average. I was just, I was average. Just, I, I was like that, that person which just blends in the yeah, background. Yeah, knowing you now, <laughs> I know. Kenny, well, you blend. Funny, funny. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I remember like going out and she was dancing. She was full of confidence, and you know, she's she's up until this day like one of my really good friends. And I was like, where do you get that from? Mm. Like you, you perform, you dance, whatever. And she's like, oh, you know, I, I go to dance classes, whatever, you should come one time. So I remember when I went back to 
back to Rochdale, Manchester, and I was like, I, I went to this class. What happened to the military at this point? Oh, that's gone now. Gone. That, that, that chapter is like well and truly closed. Like parents are devastated. I'm like, oh my God, like you're going to turn to like drugs soon and whatever. Like I was on a gap year and just like everything was going completely well. Oh, you west. know, as a parent, they'd be like, shit, what, what's yeah. going to happen to him now? Literally, he needs a I good was, job. I was he like, needs I've got to no job. stay at stability. I'm not going to university. Like, especially I'm, with your parents, with the shit they went through. Yeah. So uh, I remember going to these dance classes and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm into that as well. Like, like, that excites me. And literally within two weeks, the owner of the agency was like, you need to go to circus school. I was like, oh, right. So she had a tour that they were doing um, for So for an introverted, brand. I blend in the background guy <laughs> who wanted to go to the military and be a fireman, yeah. decides to go to dance classes and then become a clown. True story. I actually mm. did become a clown. I, I can I can see the, the, can the... You can see the natural career progression. Complete natural career progression. So um, so I did all of that and then... Um, Was it nerve-wracking standing there in a room full of people and dancing? Do you, like, did you have rhythm? Yeah, like I could dance. Like Not anymore, like just I'm just saying, old just and fat, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I've like danced in thongs for Anne Summer's parties and all sorts. Like, I got molested that night. You know, like we'll as, get a, to that one as too. a 19 year old, 20 year old boy, I like having like lots of old women chasing after you. It's quite interesting. How little they knew. How little they knew. So, uh, you made me blush, Lily. Uh, I know. But so, like, yes. so my, 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 I kind of got open to this world of like performance, events, entertainment. And Laura, the owner of the agency, was like, you know, we've got this project coming up. Like, we need performers. Like, we want you to train. So she sent me to circus school where I learned to be a fire breather, a stilt walker, and a clown. I wanted to be an acrobat. Like, what I'm, did she see? She uh, saw something that you didn't see in yourself. What did she see? Um, that's a really good question. Actually, I, I don't know. You'd have to I ask know, her I'm, that. I know. I'm quite impressed that I asked that question. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she was just like desperate for numbers and she was like, can oh, you go and do not, it? clearly not because you became a great success. Yeah. I mean, like I didn't, from, from a career level as a performer, it never got to the levels of other people like Cirque du Soleil or whatever, but like that was the dream and the yeah, aspiration. Yeah, but clearly you uh, made a well, yet another uh, Dan Detour. Well, yeah, and uh, this is the detour now. So obviously by this point, the parents are freaking out going, oh my God, you're dancing naked for women at Ann Summers and, you know, you should have been at Union or Pilot and well, all the rest of it. Well, you were supposed to be in the military. Military, yeah, you should have been Wearing doing something Wearing your uniform serious. from head to toe. Indeed. With your boots. ass cheeks in the pants. <laughs> now, so they were kind of like, oh, you know, like literally you're falling apart now. What's going on? Like you need to get a proper job. Like mm. you need something serious. And I remember, you know, the first entry into that, I guess the career that I have now was I was the assistant. I was literally like the intern. I was fetching and carrying boxes. I was taking fabric dye to the costume designer's house. But this was after you actually performed. Yeah, like I was so you did I was, that for a while. Or were you doing as, both? I was doing both. I was performing at the same time. Um, so like through like community events and corporate events and nightclubs mostly, and performing. Yeah. And do you think that that helped give you confidence, or yeah, do you for think sure. it, or or do you think it brought out the confidence that was already there? Uh, it's a very good question I'm not sure actually maybe brought out mm. yeah because it has to be there already so she saw it so she saw something yeah 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 perhaps. I'm just I'm, I'm just always fascinated by people yeah. who um see something in people like yeah. take the time to see I get that you know it's like I, I've had a few of those moments I've had some people throughout my life that saw something in me and I'm like oh god I didn't see that yeah and I'm like how'd you see that yeah no no 100% get that um and, you know, again, like I was exposed to this world and it's like all of it all started to collide, like things all started happening at the same time. And I was just really intrigued by this. It's not even like a job, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's like, you mm. know, performance, culture, people. And, you know, since then, like literally my, like my career grew. So I was 
you know, basically like we, the, the gopher, oh. you know, I was the, the guy fetching and carrying the boxes and then became well, like the a runner. talent agent. Yeah. yeah. Then I became a talent agent. So on the side of performing, like I was trying to build this, I have a real job. And um, I was booking talent, dealing with musicians, performers, dancers, circus guys, whatever, you know, managing clients, doing business development. And then that progressed into a management position for this agency. And fire breathing. And fire breathing on the side. Essentially, yeah, and, and being a clown. The first time you did that, did you, did you like, shit yourself? <laughs> no, I was in the bath. <laughs> I wouldn't want to shit myself like in a bath. How, <laughs> like, <laughs> a do you know what I mean? Like, how does that, how does that work? How do you learn to, like... See, I, uh, you, breathe fire and not die. So I learned in the bath, and this is like probably unconventional. Other people are probably like, oh, you're weird. So you don't pee in the bath. But it was with the pint glass in the bath. So I'm there, and I, you, you put the water in your mouth, and you have to learn how to spit it. So you have to do like a like a, a vapor yep. thing. Um, so we did all of that. Um, and yeah, that's how that's how I learned to do it. So like you just practice and practice and practice and practice. And then you yeah. put what in it? You put the, the water vapor, and you, you spit it out. Okay. Yeah. And then you learn, then eventually you actually do it with paraffin and, you know, um, yeah, set fire to it and hopefully don't set yourself on fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever had any near near misses? Yeah. Um, I set my face on fire once. I lost all my eyebrows and my forehead, like, like my fringe, um, but I nearly set somebody else on fire once. It was their own fault. So I remember like- I like I, how you- uh Caveat, Caveat, his own fault. fault. So, like, we used to do a lot of work in nightclubs and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've ever been to a nightclub in, like, Durham or wherever. Like, I don't even know where that is. Yeah, it's a bit rough. Um, and I remember I was on stage one time and I had a mouthful of paraffin and I was just about to, like, to, to do a blowout. And this idiot just ran at me. And, like, the only thing I could do, like, like I'm in mid-flow. Like, this is happening now. The only thing I could do was I removed the fire sticks. So I just spat paraffin all over him. And this guy kicks off. I was going to get, like, a glass in my face. And he's, like, screaming. He's, like, oh, I'm going to sue you, whatever. I was, like, dude, like, be grateful. It's paraffin because, like, I nearly I, I set you on fire. You. I literally nearly set you on fire. You, sh- you should be grateful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, he kicks off. But, yeah, that's it, really. I've never had any major accidents. It's been incidents, yeah. but not accidents. Right, so, and then... I've been thrown down the stairs on stilts before. Who'd you piss off this time? No, that was someone in a club. He picked me up at the top of the staircase and threw me down. True story, yeah. In Newcastle, just, why is it just, always the northeast? Not like I'm trying to like stereotype anybody from that part of the world. Just, just because. Just because they were drunk. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, we used to work in some sketchy places. Mm. It's amazing what you'll do for 150 quid. <laughs> Definitely like, not go down the <laughs> fucking stairwell. That's not enough. I'd at least want to anyway, double that. So, so, the, so, uh, yeah, so the, the, I, I, I sort of digressed. Yeah, you know, threw you off. But yeah. yeah. So then you started getting into the talent stuff and yeah, booking and then, talent. So and booking talent, that and then you know, fast forward to like two thousand. Loving it. Yeah, loving it. Like I, I loved it, and you know, my parents are still freaking out by oh my god. Well, why like, not run away to the Olympics? Right uh, away. Well, I kind of did in the end, didn't I? So, yeah, so 2002 did the Commonwealth Games as a performer, and that was the first time where I was like, actually, like, as part of like. You a, performed as what? I was, a, I was a dancer in that one. Oh, were you? Yeah, in the opening segment. Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm going to go back. Sound. I'm going to go back and uh, have a look. Will I, yeah. well, if I go back and zoom in, will I see you? Yeah, of course you will, but it's very grainy because, like, you know, there was no HD back then. <laughs> it's 2002. Um, and I did the Olympics in 2004. Um, I was a performer for Greece. the closing ceremony in Greece in Athens. God, that was a beautiful it was ceremony. Beautiful. One of my favorites. Yeah. 
I cried watching that. Yeah. So I was one of the um, table performers. So basically, it was like a table that had like this Greek guy on, hot guy. Um, and we were like throwing like wine and grapes. And it's like I a remember whole, that. whole party. And then the, the table turned into a ship. Yes, I and remember it went that. Round and, thing. and then my friend, Emma, who was the one that got me into performing in the first place, she was one of the wheat pickers. And there was a whole segment at the, at the beginning of the closing where she picked the wheat. Yeah. I always remember you the water. The Olympic rings. I always remember the water. Yeah, that was for the opening. Yeah, and then the water just disappeared. Well, so this is how weird it gets, right? So we've talked about the Olympics in in sorry Sydney, which was like that's my mm, your moment. And you know, I've I've actually managed to work with you know Paul Ryan, like mm. you know your Brenton Cooley and people like that. You know, people I've worked with now on projects, like actually work with them. And then for like the Athens, like, you know, Nikos Lagosakos, who now I consider a very dear friend, who we're now working with on a project with AIM for, for Expo. So it's really interesting how these worlds have all started it collides. to collide and it's become a thing. Or is it colliding or is it exactly where you were supposed to be at the right time? I think, it, I think it's that, a but you don't know that, that at the time. You don't know it at the time. Yeah. But so, yeah, so is, it, is it just, do you, do you reckon you ended up in these places because you just followed your gut? Or was it just a feeling that you had to do it? Because you were doing great, you know, you were the, uh, like the talent agency, life's going well. well I, was doing, I was kind of like doing that in tandem, but it was yeah. always the big projects which excited me. And it still, yeah. still is to this day. Um, you know, that's where I feel like we can, you know, we can contribute more, you can add value. And also as well, like... I, I think it's where you really come to life. Yeah. <laughs> my mum always says this to me. She um, always starts laughing, but she's like, you know, not that it's from a place of ego, it comes from a place of um, wanting to be part of a memorable moment in history, you know? I get it. Like, the, 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 the Sydney Olympics will never happen again. Um, the Athens Olympics will never happen again. So it's like, you know, it's like I can go, I was there. Mm. And my mum's always laughing. She's like, oh, Jesus, you've done everything. It's like, no, no, no not yet. Um, but we will be doing But do more. you think that's because uh, that sort of links back to really wanted, wanting to make your parents proud? Yeah, I think so. You know? And also myself proud, yeah. Like, you know, I'm very proud I get of that. that, that but drive. Also, actually, that's a very good point, actually, because one of the things which excites me most about the projects that we do, it's not about me being proud or my parents being proud, although we'll get to that at some point. It's about making the nation proud. Mm. Like, I've worked on so many great projects, and, you know, Jakarta was one of them, actually, where I was so proud of that show and the contribution that I had had in my interaction with the, the people of Indonesia is I flew my mum from Manchester. Oh. Like, I was like, you have to come and see this show. It was because the first time ever, I was like, you're going to understand what I do. You've told me I need a real job, and this is the real job. This is what we do. And um, what, yeah, But your your mum still said it up to... Not really said it, but, you know, it's, it's always like, oh, my, you know, my son works in the same, or can he do my, like, kid's three-year-old birthday party? Like, they don't really see the uh, impact of what we actually mate, do. My, my, my parents still don't know what I do. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that, that's not a bad thing. It's just because it's just... It's a different world. Well, until you see it. Until you feel it. Until you feel it. So fast forward to, God, 2018. So I flew my mum from Manchester. I called her three days before the show. And I was like, I need you on a plane now. I was mm. like, this show is special. Like, it's beautiful. Um, so I flew into Jakarta and she got to meet, like, loads of cool people. Like a friend of mine, Josh, you know, he'd just done, like, the tour with Justin Timberlake. And we were name dropping all of these people. And she was like, you know, like, the president of Indonesia was in the building. And she got to see all these people. And she was like, oh, my God. Like, these people are, like, huge in our industry. And, like... They, they know you like they mm. talk to you I was like yeah of course like proud know. moment yeah really proud and then she went and she sat in the and she sat in the stands and there's like 80,000 people and there was this most beautiful opening segment where we had like 1,600 girls doing a, a salmon a traditional dance and um she was sat in the audience and the audience burst into tears like they were so proud there was, there was a gasp and you could hear it there was a moment when the show began that you felt a, a collective exhale 
and proud moment of everybody. And um, she remembers, she was sat with Paula Ryan's mum and dad no in way. the stadium. Oh, God, that uh, would have been fun. Before the, Paula's mum and dad were, were amazing. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool. And um, she, the people in front of her and the people around her were sobbing, crying. And they were like, this is the most beautiful show ever, the most beautiful show. Um, and um, she turned around and she was like, my son has helped contribute to all of this. Mm. And she said for her, that was the moment when she was like, oh my God, like you make a difference. Like you actually, you use something really cool. And then at the end of the show, there was like 4,000 performers on the stage. We did like a whole thing where we said, um, you know, thank you to everybody. And my mum was like, everyone's sobbing, everyone's crying. And you could just see that that instant we'd made such a massive impact on yep. a country, on a country of like 250 million people. Um, so yeah, so that was the, the time when she turned around to me and she was like, wow, like you have a, you have a real job. And your job is Finally. Really, you have a job that's really important. And, um, you know, that's something which she repeated to me actually during COVID. Yeah, because there, there was a moment where there was a wobble, like a massive wobble. Because well, before, before we even get to COVID, I'm really intrigued to know, how did you end up in Dubai? Um, I came, <laughs> here we go. Interesting story, here we go. Chapter four. Chapter four. Uh, so, so I was dating a guy at the time. Um, okay. I just, see, I just see your face, Len, yes. Well, you know, if we're going there, yeah, go let's there. go there. Let's go. Let's dig deep. How how, how does a man who dates a guy uh, decide to comfortably come to Dubai? Um, Am I allowed to ask that? You are. I think I think I think it's a very valid question. Um, I'm not too quite too sure the answer of that one. Like it, it didn't phase me. I wasn't scared at of all. Anything. No, not at all. No, because no. it's not openly accepted is it it's not no but if you look around then it kind of is but yeah i get i get what you mean i think yeah i've never i've actually never thought about it really haven't like it's, well, it's, never, it's never came onto my radar like i've, I've never had a, a perception obviously you know the middle east and stuff like that it, it's essentially illegal here. i'm sure your parents would have been worried oh they were, i think by that time they'd given up on me like i'd literally you know well, away i was gonna say where like, along these lines did you turn around to your father who you see as your hero who runs into a fire and saves you and go guess what dad i like dudes oh i mean that's the story um so yeah i think i i remember vividly i think i was at one of my sister was it my sister's birthday i was at a birthday and you know my stepdad who my mum was married to at the time and the family and everyone were there um and i'd been dating a, a, a guy from italy um I've been dating a guy from Italy for a while. He was actually my best friend. Like, he was, mm-hmm. like, my first one true love. Like, we were, we were together for a while. But it was, like, kind of, like, you know, we were, like, really best friends, but something something more, something happened, and something did happen. And we, we had a relationship, but nobody knew about it. It was probably, like, under the radar, and I wasn't out at that time. And, you know, I was very conscious about that because I come from a, an Irish Catholic family where well, it's, it's, it's exactly. not accepted. It really wasn't. Um, and also, as well, you know, like, you know, the upbringing of my, you know, from my father's side and stuff, and also my stepdad, you know, um, the, the different family dynamics, like, I didn't feel comfortable to be able to come out to anybody. Um, it was just never talked about, it just mm. really wasn't. Even to the point where they go, like, you know, oh, when are you going to get married? And it's like, oh, I'm not going to get married because I'm too busy, or I want to travel, or there was always an excuse for something. Um, but then essentially, I was at um, a birthday party. And I remember my stepdad leans over and he was like... How old were you? Oh, I can't remember my age, probably like 21, mm-hmm. 21, 22. Um, so I'm not like massively old, but, you know, I started to, to explore things. Um, and he turned around to me and he was like, I know about you and Christian. 
who was the guy who was staying at the time, and I was like, shit. Shit. I'm about to die. Yeah. I was like, oh, just kill me right now. Um, and I remember it was my sister's birthday, I think, or it was a family member's birthday, and he's like, you have to tell your mum. He said, because I can't do it. He's like, you have to tell your mum. He's like, people have seen you, people are talking, there are rumours. And I was, he was like, are you gay? And I was like, yeah. And I, I was with someone. Um, so then he must have had a conversation with my sister. No, he, I don't think but he, he did, But he said actually. it with compassion, right? Uh, with compassion, well, yeah. He wasn't threatening wasn't, or anything like that. It, it, wasn't was, a, it, was, it was a, I know. That's nice. Also as well, actually, to be fair, like, you know, he turned around and said, you know, like, we love you for we, who you are and we oh, accept awesome. you and all the rest of it. And, like, awesome. to be fair, like, he was probably the one person I was terrified of, um, of coming out to him and saying that to him. Um, you know, for, for his illustrious past. Um, you know, it's, it wouldn't have necessarily been that person that I would have thought would have been actually quite sympathetic to that or understanding. Mm -hmm. So I was, we went out to, um, to, a, to a venue in Rochdale that night, like with family and everything like that. And like, I think by that time, like I was like shitting bricks. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God. I can't happening? even imagine. Like, I've... <laughs> Horrible. Um, I got really, really drunk. And then I came out to my sister that night and she was like, and she was like, we already knew. <laughs> And I was like, what? I was like, what does that even mean? She was like, you know, we, people have talked about it for a while. And I thought, like, You thought you, you were hiding it so like, well. So uh, she was like, you have to tell your mum. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And me and my mum have, like, a, a really close relationship. Like, I'm definitely a bit of a mummy's boy when it mm. comes to stuff like that. Um, and I remember, like, I was, like, trying to build up the courage to tell her. And I was like, fuck, man, like, I'm going to have to go and do this. And I, I picked the worst timing. Like, I remember going into, into the living room, and she was watching Coronation Street. I don't, know if <laughs> if, I don't know if you guys know what Coronation Street is, but there was a character in it called Todd Grimshaw who was just about to come out gay. He did it five minutes before I did. No way. So literally, she's watching Coronation Street. I'm like, hi, Mom, I've got something to tell you. And um, she was like, what is it? I remember I was, like, shaking and trembling and... You know, you just physically can't get the words out, and you just you just like, I want to die right now. And I was like, um, I need to let you know that I've been I've been dating someone, and it's a guy. Like I, I couldn't say I'm gay, and you could just literally see the shock. And it wasn't like shock in a bad way, but it was like, oh, like I kind so of. So she had no clue. No. So she like, was the only one that had no clue. I don't like. I mean, I've never asked that question, but maybe yeah. you should ask her. So you see, her if, if, you, if you meet, I'm getting that. drunk I, with your mom as well. I don't think so. Like I think. I think people don't see what they don't want to see gotcha. or what they don't think they need to see, if that yep. makes sense. Like, gotcha. they just go, oh, it's Dan. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, he'll find a girlfriend one yeah. day. You know, that ugly kid that got bullied at school. You know, like, no wonder he's not got a bird. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's only really northern. Uh, so I remember I came out to him, like, and all I could just see as I'm talking to her was Eileen Grimshaw on Coronation Street sobbing in the corner because Todd had just come out to her. And I was like, you dick. I was like, I can't believe you picked this day to Worst do it. Worst or best timing. Worst. And I remember, you know, she started crying. It got emotional and stuff like that. And, you know, she was like, you know, I love you. And, you know, all those things which, like, I'm very fortunate that my parents said mm. to me at the time. Um, and I left on the sofa and she was crying and whatever. And then she sent me a message that evening and she was like, I'm just, she wasn't upset for me for being gay, but it's like all of a sudden everything I guess that she thought of had changed mm. because, you know, parents think of, you know, oh, I'm going to have well, grandchildren. They have a vision. They have an image. And that's gone now. Yeah. And, you know, pretty much that, as we talked about, pretty much from the age of 16, like I've gone against everything that that vision should have been. Yeah. Um, so I think there's just yeah, a but moment. But you created there something even greater. Uh, and that's why we have such a beautiful relationship with yeah. all my family now. Um, but yeah, I think she had that, that moment where she was like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So anyway, we were messaging and stuff like that. And then it actually took a long time for me to tell my dad um, and my mum kept saying, you need to tell your dad. 
But again, I think it's I think it's really difficult for a for a son to come out to his father. Like there's kind of like there's a macho I can respect that, yeah. A macho element to it. Um, you know, a masculine element to it. And you know, obviously like I started to work in the world of entertainment. I was performing. Mm. So already you're starting to get thrown with all of the cliches of being a dancer and whatever. Um I won't listen to sound as massively camp, but you know, you, you start to mix in that world. So then people start talking. And um, I remember I got the, the opportunity for a job in Dubai, and this is where I came oh, out to my father. Fast forward, yeah. So, yeah, so I was, I was dating a guy at the time. He got offered a job at Dubai. I said no at first, and I was like, whoa, hang on a minute, Dubai, Vegas, yeah, let's mm. go. Like, you know, it's, it's this place full of shiny things. And so I was like, yeah, 100% going to go. And I remember telling my mum, went for dinner, I was like, hey, just let you know I'm moving to Dubai. And she was like, great. By that point, she knows what I'm like. Like, yep. you know, there's no control in this. I can just go off Supp- and do Yeah, you support know. it or uh, take a seat. <laughs> of course. Um, and she went, you need to tell your father. I was Before like, oh, you go. I was like, tell him I'm going to Dubai. And she's like, no, tell him where you're going. And um, I remember, like, we went, we went to a pub. Of course we did. And we sat down. I was like, hey, Dad, you know, just let you know, like, I'm, I'm moving to Dubai and I'm going with my boyfriend. And Just like went, that? Uh, pretty much like that, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and it was like that kind of, like, look on his face of, like, hmm, so do you want another drink? <laughs> It was like, yeah, that would be really I fun. Love dads. I love dads. I love dads. Like, you know, we had a real nice conversation. It's like, again, you know, that, that moment, and I'm, I'm very fortunate because it's not happened to all of my friends. It's, it's ended horribly for some of them. Yes. But my family are very open and we're very, we love you, we support you. This is your life. It will take time for us to accept this and to get but used we're to this. You. But we will get, we will accept well, that it. Like, it that explains you. why you were, it didn't even cross your mind to come to Dubai. Yeah, you like had I such support that. that it didn't matter. But you know, like my family being incredibly supportive and, you know, they've met the, the numerous boyfriends since and some of them have come home for Christmas. And, and somewhere in the middle of, uh, you know, all of this work, you you managed to actually have relationships. I'm impressed. Uh, well, struggle to have relationships, which is probably why I'm still single right now. I mean, any we, good we, men out there? Any good men out there? He's a catch. I mean, oh, <laughs> thanks. I mean, we could talk about that relationship because the latest one was the one which was yeah, yeah, been well, quite significant. Mm. Um, but yeah, so then that's my that's how I started in Dubai, and then you know started working for an agency, and you know at some point, you know, yeah, but you skyrocketed here. Yeah, of course, like. No, of course. Like, I've, yeah. uh, you know, I've watched you. You've skyrocketed. I'm so proud of you as a oh. friend and colleague and yeah. all of it and co-host. Yeah, of course. But like I appreciate s- that. Thank you. Skyrocketed. How yeah. did that all happen? Like, it, it's, like, it's, I, it's I, like you have a fire under your ass. Yeah, 100%. I think it's out of passion. It's also this, this drive mm. and determination, which, again, you like, I attribute to what we talked about previously. It's like, you know, knowing kind of like where my family came from. Mm, it's you really... Know, there, there's always been this thing. And my sister's exactly the same. You know, mm. she's a, a nurse within the A&E in, in the mm. UK and, you know, does an incredible job at, like, saving people's lives. You know, we've always wanted to make a contribution. We've always wanted to make well, a that's difference. That's the thing I hear I hear in everything you're saying. You've always wanted to be of service. Of service, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's good, actually. Yeah, I like it's that. always there. There's yeah. always an element of that. There is. Um, and, you know, so, so I came here, worked for an agency. It provided me with incredible opportunities. And fast forward a, a period of time, and it gets to a point where, you know, you have to do this yourself. Mm. You know, in order to be fully satisfied, it's like you can't work for anybody else. Like, uh, I think it's more a case of you looked at what people did and said, uh, that's, uh, that's not how you do it. This is yeah, how you do it. Possibly. I also think as well, like as a person, I'm sure like, you know, people in the office and, you know, people that know me, like, I, I'm not very controllable. <laughs> like, I'm very set in the ways I would like to do things. So at some point you go like, you can't well, I think managed. I think after this episode, people are actually going to get to know it's the like, real you. Exactly. Which is why like, I'm very actually, you know, interested to do this one, which is where we talk about untold mm. stories. It's different. And, you know, and, and this is well, where... Well, there's so much more. Like, everyone just assumes they know you, you know. Well, like, we were talking a, about this before. This oh, is yeah, where I'm going to get to Dan, the boss. Dan, Dan, you know, 
the 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 you know gay and in loving it in Dubai, you know, all these stereotypical things that yeah. people can say, you know, Dan the fire breather and yeah. blah, 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 but there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's just so much to it, you but know. You know actually, that's Dan that, the control freak. I mean, that is one thing as well. Mm. I mean, speak to people, I'm sure they'll testify and agree with that. But I think, you know, that's the interesting thing. It's like, obviously, I, I, I've been very fortunate and very mm. incredibly lucky to be able to build a brand. And you know we. I think, it's, I think you. I think you underestimate. Like, come on, let's face it. It's. It wasn't just lucky to build a brand. You've uh, worked your ass off. Okay, your yeah, team of have worked their ass 100%. off. hundred percent. It is about the team now as well. Um, you know, and I think you know when when you have the name associated to the company, people have a perception of what mm. that actually is. Mm. Um, and that's something which is quite interesting for me at the moment is like just trying to juggle. Yeah. Like what that is because actually you know like my my work life my my kind of like public life is very very different to, mm. to my to my personal life, which is pretty much. Like, you know, well, I was really impressed actually. to see that you, you know, one one day all of a sudden on my on my Instagram feed, it's like, oh, you know, there's a there's a new new account, possibly a new yeah, person. There's a reason for that, though, Dan. And I'm like, oh my god, he finally did it. No, there's a reason you for that, though. Why? Well, because we hired Roa, and Roa started taking over the social media no, but, account, but, and but, boys but were sending her messages. <laughs> Like they were sending like not appropriate for work, not safe for work messages well, on I, Instagram. I'd like to think I saw it more a case of you finally managed to split Dan the work. It, that, that's where it started to, but I even got myself another mobile phone this week. So now I've got two. Oh my God, I'm so proud. Now I've got two, so you could criticize me for more for being in two mobile phones, but the work one gets put away at like 8 p.m. and the personal one is just Hold my on a personal minute. one. Do I have the personal? No, you don't, not yet. Fucking hell, mate. Yeah, you'll have it eventually. Fucking hell, mate. Yeah, there's three people I have you, it right. You there's just three broke my pe- heart right now. In fact, there's six people I have it now, which is my family WhatsApp group, Danny Lee and the boy that I'm hanging out with. Sorry, JJ's got your personal number? JJ hasn't got my personal number. He hasn't, like, he's causing trouble now. No one's got Little it. Little f- He's like, what? Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to separate that whole work-life thing. And mm. do you know what? That's only actually possible um, because of the incredible people I have around me now. Mm. You know, like the team, like we've grown a massive business. Well, massive. We've, we've grown a significant uh, it's business. It's pretty significant. We have, and it's, it is, it's more about them now, not me. So it's, it, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out how to, to pass that on and so to give the reins. I think they are. I think really COVID was a massive Yeah, it was a that. real turning point for you, wasn't it? It was a bloody hard road. It was real hard work. And you know what? Actually, that, that opened up a whole... Another chapter, <laughs> um, which was really enlightening because, you know, like, you know, we talked about stuff. There's an element of resilience, I guess, mm. throughout throughout life, um, especially in my life. And I don't mean that against anybody else, but, you know, you know, like, you know, from a working class family and, you know, the ability to be able to go and do, you know, take take ownership of my own destiny, I guess. And, you know, looking at what my family went through from, from an early age and wanting to be independent mm. and do stuff. And, we, you know, we, we worked really hard. I gave everything to build up a business. I really did put everything into it financially, kind of relationship wise. I lost relationships and you know, partners because of the amount of time I worked and, you know, going back to your comment, it's like, you're always on your phone. Like I was, and it was detrimental Mm. to friendships and everything else. And I remember the day when COVID kicked off and it was like, you need to come back and just everything imploded, Mm. everything. And, you know, we, we lost everything pretty much overnight. And then you go into this kind of world of what do I do? (laughs) Like everything I believed in had disappeared overnight. And, you know, touching upon my sister, she's an A&E nurse. And for me, the kind of, when, when I started to go into a bit of a, I'm going to say a dark place, it was hard. Um, you know, regardless of the, the persona and the, the stuff that you do in the office and the kind of like the bravado that you have to put on because you're, you're trying to lead other people. 
I remember being sat in the in my apartment alone during lockdown, and you know my sister's telling me about how horrific it was at work and everything's kicking off. What and she was Boris, saying, yeah, yeah. And Boris has just announced like he's going to lock everything down, and flights to the UK got cancelled, and all of a sudden it was this feeling of like I'm completely isolated, and I had we had we had no work. There was no income coming in. There was lots of bills to go out. And, you know, you're like, shit, man. Like, I lived handsome out. I've invested everything into the business. Like, I probably had around about 2,000 dollars on my bank account. I was like, this better be over by next week because I need to get paid. And obviously, it never. Like, it didn't go away that quick. And I remember that day, I was like, I was, you know, I was like crying at home and, you know, just thinking like, shit, man, like, what, what no, do I, I remember country, those what times. do I do? Like, horrible. I think I spoke to you a few times. Yeah. You know, you, you come and speak to me on the balcony when I was on the balcony drinking wine at like... <laughs> 11 a.m. like Rapunzel, Rapunzel, because, uh, you know, remember there were times that you had to, you were, you got, you were one of the first round to get isolated, remember? Oh, yeah, because I tested positive at yeah. the very beginning. I used to, I used to, I used to. See, that's another chapter. <laughs> um, but then I remember, and I was crying, and my sister posted something actually on, on social media. It was like a video that had been created about the NHS and about, you know, the frontline workers, and it was like, they're the heroes. Like, mm. at, at, at that moment in life, there was nobody else that could, nobody else had any type of relevance. It literally was the frontline workers. It was yep. the people which were saving people's lives. And I remember crying, and I, I was sat there, like, you know, obviously I'm missing home, and I was like, shit, when am I going to see them again? Like, everything's falling apart. I've got no money. How do I eat? Like, everything's going through my head. Um, and you start to go, okay, well, I'm completely irrelevant. Like, I have no meaning in life anymore. Like, there's just nothing left to give. And I called up my mom and, like, I was crying and she calmed me down. And she referred slightly back to what we did in Jakarta. She was like, your time will come. Like, this time now is your sister's time. Like, it's those people. They have to do all of this. She's like, but at one day, you know, we'll end all of this. And people will want to have enjoyment again. They'll want to have fun again. They'll want to have events again. And then this will be your time to boom. And it's really nice to see it actually come full circle come full because that's circle. exactly what happened. Yeah. You know, so you had that wisdom of your mum telling you when you're, you're, you're on the edge. But, you know, that was a hard time for everybody. Um, and I think, you know, as, a, as somebody which is perceived to be quite strong, like in the background, it's very different. And I just remember the guy I was dating at the time. It sounds like I've been dating lots of people. It's been three. God, God, I've got a better dating life than I so do. I remember I was sat in the car with him and then just one day I just couldn't stop crying. Mm. And he was like, what's wrong with you? This overwhelming feeling of just doom. Yeah, the world, the, the world went into depression, man. The earth was depressed. Horrifically. And do you know what, actually, was this, and I'm, this is going to be weird now, so just bear with me a second. It was at the time we were doing the conversation with Lighthouse and we were talking about men's health and suicide. And the, that is the only time in my life ever that I've actually contemplated it. Mm. And it was weird. And it was like this whole moment where you sit there and you just start to think, okay, I'm worthless. What do I? What, what's the point in living right now? But that was the thing. Like what 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 Doctor Salia said was depression was not seeing an end. So this is it, and it's a hundred percent that because nobody would give me an answer when this mm. would be finished. And I'm the type of person that I can find a solution to everything if I know what the problem is. You mm. tell me what the problem is, I'll work around I'll find, it. Well, I'll find a solution. We're in events, man. We yeah. always find a solution. But nobody could give me the end. Nobody could tell me what the end would be. And I'm like, guys, is this finishing next week, one week, two weeks, two years, three years, four years? If you tell me when this will end, I will be able to work backwards and come up with a plan. There was no plan because nobody could give me an answer. Nobody had an answer. 
So I remember I was in, in, my, in my boyfriend's car and we were, like, we were sat there. You know, things were tough. Like I was literally living on super noodles. And I think at that time, everybody was making banana bread and feta cheese pasta. Yep. Yep. And that feta the, cheese the, pasta. The, the, I made one no one's bowl. ovens had been used so <laughs> much. <laughs> so I think I'd made the feta cheese pasta because it cost me like three, no, about 10 dirhams or whatever. And it had to last me a week. And I was like, literally, this is what I'm living on. And I had this overwhelming sense of doom in the car. And, you know, we were talking on it. Was around that, that time of the podcast and to me that was the only time and I was like man like mm. I don't want to do this anymore and you start to have really weird thoughts I know but what about really now dark. completely different I could talk to you all day we but could. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting the look I can feel it from from, from the from my left periphery I got I gotta we've got to wrap so it you've up t- you've told me like we need to go because you're coaching now and, I am coaching now have, but you, that we'll leave that for another you have been dyed to the session but like uh, this is kind of it I think this is our first coaching session. So, uh, yeah, so where we are now, like, extremely proud in what we've done. But what's next for you? That's a big question. I'm I'm actually unsure right now. I'm trying to figure that out. Are you ever going to feel you've done enough? No, never. That's going to be my last question. There you go. Never, like, I'm the type of person that always wants more. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't come from a selfish place or from a financial place or an no, ego it's place. It's service. like, yeah, I have this... It, it, what a strength and a lesser strength. It was like, I'm never quite fully satisfied. Like, mm. I always want something more. Um, and it can be quite detrimental to relationships and people and stuff because, you know. Yeah, but, they for, the feel rest like of, but for the rest of us, we're very lucky that you always want more because we keep seeing the beautiful shows that you create, my friend. We do that. We create now. So it's a whole new we team create. effort. But yeah, it's exciting. There's a lot coming up, and yeah, it's good. Mm. And that's. That's kind of like the, the journey till now. The, that's the first, and what, five chapters? I'm 40 now, so I'm into my fifth decade, which makes me feel really old. So that's chapter five of eight. You can, you can never say you're old because that makes me geriatric. I know, but you said it, not me. No. <laughs> no. All right, my friend, I can keep going, but we'll get, I think we've got to wrap up. That's it for us today. Indeed. And Untold Stories of Dan, chapter one. Well, well, well no, that's, that's, that's this. This one's chapter one. I'm chapter sure we'll one. have other ones. Okay, oh. fine. I like to let's do this again. Your let's turn do it next. again. Oh God. Okay. Waterworks. Thanks. Ah, uh, thanks for sharing, Dan. Bye. Right. Hi, I'm Lily, and I'm Dan. We are. The Loaded.